Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, I got a new solo episode here, so I wanted to sit down and record an episode all about elk hunting. And uh, I'm getting pretty late in the season. I wanted to get it out a touch earlier, but it's uh, September 20th now. And I just find that when I start hunting elk, like I, I'm thinking about elk hunting and elk theories, and I, I'm just in the zone of elk hunting, and so I can express it better to you guys. And so I thought I'd sit down. We got rained out this morning here. It was all fogged in up high on the mountains, and, and uh, I'm actually just, just exhausted here. We got back um, last night. Oh, in the middle of the night after chasing this great six-point bull. Um, we didn't get him killed, but boy, we were close. And we heard him bugle just like a hundred times last night. And satellite bulls coming around. It's just so thrilling. Um, but I just wanted to sit down. Like every species has this def- different specialized tactic of hunting them. And, and elk are definitely specialized. As, as they're big animals, they're nomadic by nature. Uh, they travel a ton of country. And then hunting them during the rut... There's so many different tactics, but, you know, I just find that I hunt a, a lot of higher pressured elk. Like, it's it's tough for me to find elk that have never been hunted. I don't draw many premium tags. I hunt a lot of general units, and so I have this specialized way that, I, that I've learned how to hunt them over the last 20 years, and I just wanted to share some of my insights on it to you guys and uh, thoughts and theories on it and things. So that bull last night, man, were we close on that thing. And so we're hunting them right now in this early season. These elk tend to be high, and and um, they're eight to 10,000 feet right now, and uh, we haven't really got the weather yet to push them down or the feed hasn't burned off to push them down. And so we're hunting them way up high. The rut seems a little bit late this year, but it's starting to kick into full effect. And so... Um, we found that bull. We've been running on just a few hours of sleep each and every night. Uh, I need to camp up there on the mountain closer to where we're hunting them, but we've been running back and forth to the house. So that means leaving at about 3.34 in the morning and then um, hunting them late. And We got home last night, I don't know, uh, maybe 12 o'clock, something like that. So just running on a few hours of sleep and the mountain was all fogged in this morning. And so um, we called it. We're going to go back in and look for that bull this evening. But um we went in the morning and and uh, went in there and and got to a good vantage point and you you locate these elk you know I locate them by bugles a lot and then I also locate them by my glass and I just find that that bugles is a great way to locate bulls and especially in in thicker cover but you can only hear them so far away and you you got to kind of travel country you got to get one to bugle or to answer back and so I love getting to these master vantage points and looking around that's what we did yesterday morning um got to this really good master vantage point and glassed over and um we spotted this this big herd of elk there had to be 30 40 cows in it and then one just giant bull with a bunch of satellites around and um, just a big six point long main beams, good tines, good mass. And so, um, we decided that we were going to hunt this bull. We watched him from the vantage point in the morning and we watched him, you know, they, they kind of went into the cover and then what, what these elk do is they, they travel to their bedding grounds and then, and then they start mingling around their bedding grounds and start feeding around those. And that bull will kind of rut a little bit. And, and they were out and about till maybe nine thirty or 10 before they finally bedded down. But there was just so many cows and they were spread out all over the mountain. 
and we we would have the thermals coming up, you know, around 9:30 or 10, but there was just no approach. You know, a lot of times I like to kind of coyote these herds and coyote the elk when I find them. And what I mean by that is just kind of move with them and then try to get them into their beds, move in close. And then when that bull's up checking his cows, you know, that's where I'll, I'll capitalize and get a shot. And so a lot of times I like to do that. But yesterday there was just no chance at it as there was just too many elk around you know, spread out all over the mountain. It was going to be really tough to get in on them. And so we opted to wait till evening. And uh, then in the evening, you know, once the shade starts to hit those hillsides, those thermals start to fall. And, and then you've got a downhill thermal. You can work down below them, getting close. And in, in my standard operation, like, like I don't call much at these things anymore, guys. Like, I, you can call in a lot of satellite bulls, and you can call in herd bulls, too. And I, and I called elk for years and loved it. I love the interaction in it. And, and I need to incorporate it more you know, just um, working ridgelines and bugling middle of the day and trying to get an answer, find a bull I can work. But, you know, I've really found, like, on these big herd bulls that, you know, that the timing has to be absolutely perfect to call them in. And so, you know, I've just kind of found that spot and stock in these things is more effective for me. Like, I try to move in front of the herd. I can kind of cut them off or I can move in close and let that bull go around and it's still just as exciting and thrilling as you get to to hear them rutting and hear them bugling but you know I've also believed that that these bigger bulls that get five six seven years old like they they've been called to they know better you know they 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 don't come into calls as well and so you know I in these areas that I hunt where they get pressured um I've just found that that trying to focus on these herd bulls, these bigger bulls that are running these cows, um, that I have a better chance at killing them to try to move in on them and stalk them or cut them off. Um, and I, I've been, I've been extremely successful killing six points every year for the last 10 years or so doing it, or maybe even longer than that with my bow. And so, you know, I've just found these, these tactics seem to work really well for me. And my, my um, my buddies do the same thing. In fact, I'm starting to get text in my my cameraman. You guys probably heard that podcast I did with Logan Summers. Um, he killed a really good bull the other day. Sent me a picture of it, just this really nice six point died in the river. Just this beautiful picture of it, and so um, that was really cool. My buddy Ryan just killed a really nice bull. He said I could repost it. He doesn't have any social media. He's been on the podcast too. Just a great elk hunter. I talked to him this morning for about an hour just on different theories of these elk and where they're hanging and um, how to get on them. But he killed just a great bull. And, and same thing, he killed his by, you know, cutting those elk off. Um, he, he spotted this bull up with these cows up in the rocks and there wasn't a very good approach. And eventually these elk worked down and this bull actually separated from the cows. And so, you know, he, he was just thinking quick on his feet and he got in between the cows and the bull and was waiting for that bull to come back up. And while he did so, the wind got bad on the cows. And so the cows spooked off, which just enraged that bull, you know, that his cows would take off. And so he came back up and Ryan was right in the right spot and put a good arrow in him and just a a giant tall six point and killed in the mountain. So good for him. So my, my buddies have kind of incorporated these same tactics into their hunting as well and find that they're extremely successful on these, these herd bulls by doing it. Now, 
you know, that's not to say that you shouldn't have calls in your toolbox, shouldn't have cow calls or bugles and, and, you know, um, you know, I've called a lot of bulls in over the years. I just found that I called a lot of satellite bulls in. I called a lot of the, it, it was just really tough to call that herd bull away from his cows or call that herd bull in as, as he just knew better or he's preoccupied with his cows. And in some of these spots, like I've told you guys that I've been hunting elk uh, in the breaks. I finally got out of there this season and I mix and match the mountains, man. I I love that mountain hunting for bulls. And and that's really my niche too is I'm in such good shape and I'm, you know, I train for these mountains and and I can get away from the people in the mountains. The elk are a little bit uh lower pressure than than this like the breaks country I hunt. It is extremely high pressure. Now it's fun hunting, don't get me wrong. I can see a 6 point every morning and night over there and I know I can go over for a weekend and find a 6 point bull. But it is exclusively spot and stalking. Like nobody is calling elk over there just because they are so high pressured. They give like, oh, the tag I was getting there for a while, they're giving out 1,800 tags. So there's 1,800 bow hunters in this unit hunting these elk. And so every elk you run into has is, is probably been chased a time or two by hunters. And it's all this just broken open country. It's fairly open. Now, I like hunting elk in open country. I feel like if I can see them, I can shoot them. Um, but they are extremely high pressured in there. And it's part of the reason why I'm getting out of there. Um, there was a lot of good bulls, a lot of six points, mature bulls, but those, those bigger ones, you just see one that you want to harvest and they're just really tough to, to get in on. Like you, you don't have a very high percentage chance of killing them just because they're so on edge and they're so looking for humans sneaking up and, and on them. And so you know, I just decided to, to go for some different units this year. I'm hunting around my home range, and then I've got this tag that allows me to hunt a bunch of different units, a bunch of just great mountain ranges. And so um, I'm just trying it out, seeing how it's going to go here and, and uh, kind of hunting elk, um, you know, in, in these different places. Like I, I like to explore too, and I like mountain elk, and this has a bunch of uh, mountain ranges that I can hunt, and, and really good bulls come out of them. In fact, I went the second weekend on kind of a scouting trip um, and, and just to look at some elk. And, man, I found a giant over in one of these units. He had three eye guards on one side and a split four and just heavy and dark horn. What a bull. And uh, he was chasing his cows back in. And I tried to get in front of the herd, and I heard him bugling. And then I think he just got by me, and I kind of worked up the ridge. We could have shot a couple of other six points that day. I had one at 63, and then I had one at 45 that was like a 310, 315 bull. My buddy Dan was with me, and he would have shot it. I just couldn't tell him if it was a five or a six point. I just saw him in the brush about 45 yards, and he was already on to us and knew we were there kind of staring in our direction and could have shot him in the vitals. I just couldn't tell what kind of bull he was, and of course then he spooked off, and he was that 310, 315 we had seen in the morning or whatever, but... um. God, that elk hunt is just so fun. I'm just so hooked on it. Uh, I just want to kill a really good bull this year, and um, it's just trying to find the time right now. Man, I'm so busy and burned a lot of my vacation time, and we're trying to finish out this house right now, and it is just super busy. And then and then hunting with buddies, too. I've got uh, a couple of the Hawaii guys with me. They're staying at the house here, and so I'm hunting really hard with those guys, trying to help them get a bull, and we got a third um, Hawaii buddy, my buddy Robin showing up here. And so we're going to try to record some good podcasts on it, but yeah, it's just going to be tough to, to find the time. I'm going to be kind of a weekend warrior. 
Um, and, and then hopefully I can kind of get out and, and hunt them for myself here coming in into October or whatever and see if I can't turn up a, a good bull and get narrow in them. But I just love elk hunting. I think I got to dedicate more of my vacation time next year to hunting these elk. They're so fun. But um, elk are tough. They're they're specialized. So as I get into my elk tactics and telling you guys all, all my hunts and what I had, did I finish the story about um, the bull last night? So that bull last night, he came out and he was feeding in this pocket and he's feeding with his cows. And so we waited for it to get late. The thermals were coming downhill. Uh, we kept checking the thermals and then we just started stalking on this bull. He's just this giant big six point and he must have bugled a hundred times last night. He's just screaming and he had that deep roar to him, you know, it's just awesome to hear and move in on. And so started moving below him and he was in this pocket meadow and if he would have stayed there I think we would have killed him but just crept in and gosh when you're creeping in on these things when you start getting close you start slowing down and then it's really taking a look around you and catching these elk and we had multiple elk we'd catch up above us catch a cow here or a cow there where we'd kind of adjust our stock or we'd have to freeze for a little bit and then at one point we hop over the ridge and we had this bull inside a hundred yards but he had worked out of that open stuff and worked into that, into this timbered ridge. And so, um, he was kind of tough to get on in this, this timbered ridge, but, um, you know, we couldn't see into it. It was fairly thick. He had moved into it and he was moving his cows from right to left and, and he was just right there. And then we had a bunch of elk show up to our left with another bull come over the ridge and so we had to freeze forever and and freeze for like maybe 15 minutes or so and that gave that bull a chance to kind of move off and over the ridge and we started running out of light and we had to call it but we left the bull we never spooked any none ever saw us none ever caught our wind and there's a there's a bunch of elk in there and so um this morning it was fogged in we couldn't see anything which you know you can definitely hunt bulls in the fog you know where you you can creep in and get a little closer and play their bugles but we opted to go in tonight I, I do like hunting them at night with those downhill thermals like so much of the challenge of hunting elk is is the wind challenge of hunting any animal really so I'm just really trying to you know, I, I tell you guys about this higher understanding of the winds, the thermals and the directionals and how it's pulling. And, and then at every elevation on the mountain, the wind's doing something different, it seems. But it it's just trying to understand it better, how the wind's pulling through these canyons, how the wind's hitting the faces and, and, and where it's going from there. Um, when the thermals change, you know, when the sun comes up in the morning and they start swapping around, like you have really good winds early in the morning for about the first hours. Everything's shaded. The wind's coming downhill. Like you got a good thermal. And then as the, the sun starts to hit the valley floor and warm it up, you know, you start to get these warm thermal airs that start to rise up these canyons and rise up these walls. And, and so then you have an uphill thermal as long as it stays sunny throughout the day. If you get any storms that come in, it'll cloud it over, cool the air, and it'll drop. Um, but those mountain winds are just so tough. And then in, I really like the evening. I, I like, um, you know, that that usually the directionals have come up a little bit in the afternoon, evening. And so you've got good directionals. And then in the evening, as the shade starts hitting these canyons, that air starts to cool and starts to fall down, and you got this steady downhill thermal for the last hour or two at night, you know, depending on how the sun hits the mountain and how it's positioned in that. But um, just really trying to play these winds is winds is just everything with these elk. And whether you're calling or whether you're stalking or, or moving on the herd, like all of these tactics 
you know, I talk about how, you know, I believe spot and stocking is, you know, bigger bulls, but people call in big bulls every year. Like, it's just, you know, it's whatever suits you too. And you should have all these tools in your, in your toolbox, but all of these things, you know, they, they, they all relate to, to hunting out. Like even my spot and stock tactics for calling bulls is great tactics as, you know, you don't want to just call to these elk and chase them and, and think you're going to call in this bull. Like, like the way to call them is to locate them first and then to move in and try to creep in inside 200 yards or inside 100 yards and then give a bugler a cow call where that bull will come check you out. And so all of these tactics apply for, for whether you're calling or whether you're spot and stalking and, 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 you know, I, I really need to call a little bit more. As I say, you know, for the last 10 years, I haven't even carried a call in my pocket. Like I just, I have gone exclusively to spot and stalking. And a lot of it too is, is hunting that breaks country where they just don't call. And, you know, I just, I had these encounters where I was finding these big bulls, even in the mountains, uh, where this is what kind of made up my mind is, I would find these bulls in these mountains and I I travel miles and miles as elk are nomadic and you just got to cover country to locate them. But I would find these elk in these pockets and then I'd set up and try to make a call at him and he'd grab all his cows and take off like those herd bulls just know better it seems like sometimes. But you catch that herd bull in the right mood, you get in close, you make the right sounds whether it's cows or a bull and you kind of figure out like what he's reacting to, what's making him hot, what's firing him up, you know, is it a bugle, will he answer you back, is he, you know, and then as he starts to answer you back and you build this, you know, kind of back and forth with him, then to cut him off and really torque him off, or like usually if you can get within a couple hundred yards and make that call, it's either going to happen or it's not, he's either going to come rushing in, or, you know, you're going to, he's going to gather up his cows and go away, but I mean, it's the, it's probably the same odds spotting and stocking or close to, you know, you don't get every one just like last night. We didn't kill that bull, but we never let them know we were there as calling kind of lets them know you're there and puts them on edge. Like we just let these elk feed. And a lot of times that works out for me. Um, but what I like to do is, um, I like to hunt elk on their feet. I, I like to hunt them in the morning or in the evening. They just bed in such thick cover that they're not like a mule deer where you can get an exact position on his bed. And, and the only exception to that is like when I talk about coyoting the herd is, is just kind of moving with the herd and keeping eyes on them and hearing them. And then you kind of work out and like remember me telling you guys that they work to their bed and then they kind of mingle around their bedroom in there and they'll kind of feed around the bowl kind of rut and that's a really good chance to capitalize on them if you can get a good wind is to coyote them to their bed where they're they're not just moving so much elk like to move you know and so like chasing elk from behind it's tough to catch them but if you can just keep with them and then kind of put them in a bed and see them in there you know then you can kind of creep in and get in close and wait for that bull to kind of move around and I'm I hunt elk more aggressively, but I, I still like to let those elk make the last move, the last mistake. I like to let them get up and check their cows and move into range of me or get in front of where they'll be feeding out at night and let them kind of feed out to me. Um, and so I still like to let that bull make that last move and be patient in the end, um, but but I do hunt them a little bit more aggressively. So I, I guess we'll oops left my phone on. That's typical podcasting here. Let me pause this real quick. 
All right, sorry about that, guys. Um, trying to wear multiple hats and uh, constrict field construction calls and the whole deal here this morning, as it is middle of the week, uh, uh, morning time. So, um, yeah, trying to do that and hunt and podcast and everything at the same time, but it's all gonna work out. Um, man, I just love doing this podcast and I, I love sharing the information with you guys. And construction really pays my bills, and and then uh, I love to hunt. Just the more time I can get, the better. But on on locating elk so um that's the deal is these animals are so nomadic and these these ranges or any elk country it seems like um you know there's there's good elk features within it but that doesn't mean the elk are always there like you could find the best elk basin you know in the whole mountain range but those elk will be there at certain times but they're not there all the time so if that makes sense like you, you find good elk features and good elk habitat but that doesn't always mean that there's elk in it. You have to time it right. And so what you have to do, these these elk, they're nomadic as they, they move from feeding feature to feeding feature. And, and then they kind of adjust to their surroundings and they'll bed in certain places in there. They'll get their water in certain places. And, and then they just continue to travel as well. So so when I'm locating elk is one of the, the, the biggest deals when you're when – you're, um, when you're hunting elk, you know, you, you have to find them before you can kill them. So you, you have to, to locate them. And, and because, you know, you have these giant mountain ranges and there's just not elk in every single drainage. It doesn't seem like, you know, it, it seems like they're in certain spots and then they kind of move in these, you know, even these mountain ranges that have really good elk populations, like the ones I'm hunting around home here, it's, it's historic, good elk hunting. But you can go a lot of places where elk aren't, and that's always how elk hunting has been for me. And and whether that's, you know, whether that's bow season, which I'm, you know, been a bow exclusive for the last twelve years or so. But I, I really like hunting them during rifle two with family and friends, and and um, and then you know it it taught me a lot about hunting elk and and elk habits and behavior. And and same thing when you're hunting shed bulls, they're just not in every spot. And so. Anyways, when I'm trying to locate elk, like that's one of the biggest parts of elk hunting. And so what I like to do is, is I like to, to cover country and I go, you know, I, I choose a drainage and I work up that drainage and I don't set a big base camp up, you know, like maybe if you're hunting some national forest where you can set up a, a wall tent down low and then hunt different drainages every day, like that could work. But as far as camping in the back country, very rarely can you keep into elk for seven to 10 days back there. It seems like I would choose these drainages while I'm young and have these big goals and ambitions of getting in there and hunting elk for seven to 10 days. And what ends up happening is, is you're into elk for about three days and then they move on to other country. And so, you know, if you are going to, to go into, go into the back country and, and set up a back country camp, I like to be mobile. I think the key with elk is being mobile. And, and so, you know, I like to go up a different drainage dang near every day. And so I'll just work into these drainages and, you know, I don't need to really call to, to locate elk. I find that elk, they'll bugle and rut on their own. And if you're the first person calling, like, I think it kind of lets them on to you, lets them know, you know, that, that, hey, we're not calling real loud right now. And all of a sudden we've heard this bugle, you know, and I know you can get answers back. And that is an effective way to locate elk is to bugle off these ridgelines, get an answer, and then you know a bull is there. But what I find is that I just work up these drainage drainage is listening and and then I'll hear a bull and then I can start to work in his direction and I really want to get eyes on him I really want to see him 
And so, you know, I'll travel up these different drainages looking for these bowls. And, and I do a lot of glassing. I love master vantage points. That's how we found that big bowl yesterday is I could just look on my, on my map, on my topography. And we had seen a few cows in one spot. And so we just ended up on this master vantage that was at 10,000 feet. And I just, I call it spinning the dial when you get up and, and, uh, you can, you can look 360 degrees around you and just cover so much country with your eyes and you can look farther than you can hear. Um, so, so you can, you can look farther at elk long distances that you wouldn't hear calling. And so I find it's a real effective way to hunt them. The other thing I'll do is a lot of these drainages, this elk country, it doesn't lay out like muley country where you can always get a master vantage. You know, a lot of times you're looking at a lot of cover and a lot of timber and these, these elk, you know, they need to feed on this meadow grass. And so, you know, that's where you locate them morning and night, but not all this country lays out where you can have a master vantage point. So a lot of it is like what I like to call a moving vantage point. So you're working up these drainages and you just start working ridge lines or you work in bottoms and you're just glassing every little opening you can see. And then you're listening for bulls to bugle and you're just trying to locate them and cover country. And you got to cover country in that morning and evening is when they're calling and when they're moving and when they're in those feeding features. So that's prime time for me. And I do a lot of walking in the dark. In fact, we walked out in the dark last night cause we were hunting that bull late, but in the mornings too, like I'm all hike an hour or two in the dark to make it to a good spot. Come daybreak The the first hour and last hour is so key because that is when these elk are out in those meadows. And then these, these meadows, they're out in them all night long. And also they're moving. You can find them. Elk are tough to locate in their beds because they bed in really thick cover. And they will get up throughout the day, but they're just really tough to spot in there and to locate in there. And and sometimes you can find a bull bugling in the middle of the day that's fired up. And it's just a matter of a cover in that country. But I, all most of the time, I want to cover the, the most country in that morning and in that evening. And so I'll do a lot of hiking in the dark. And then I'll just work up these drainages and work up these ridge lines, listening and looking and glassing or or like I, we were doing the other day on the master vantage point, the elk in these mountains, it, it, their habits around these mountains, um, they, they tend to, and this may be, um, you know, specific to to like uh, Montana or this area that I hunt, but our mountains, what these elk do is the start of the season, they're way up high. And, and I think this holds true to most places, but at the start of the season, these elk are way up high. A lot of the bulls are traveling, you know, with other bulls or solo. They're starting to kind of hang out with the cows and, and sometimes they'll get together and they'll kind of sort their stuff out where there's a hundred elk and a few different bulls. And they're trying to sort all these cows out and figure out which bull is going to get which cow. Those are the parties. That's what you want to get into. What, what you're really looking for when you're elk hunting. Like, it's great to locate a bull with some cows, but you really want to find where the party's at. You want to find where 100, 200 elk, multiple bulls are sorting out their stuff, and they'll do this in this early season. They also really do it in the late season as they group up and they're looking for second cycle estrus. And and, and then even the, the middle of the season when these bulls have their cows... Like you'll find a bull with cows, but it's just like elk like to be around other elk. So if you can find a group of cows with a bull, chances are is that there's other groups of cows with other bulls around that area or, you know, in the drainages surrounding that drainage where you found that elk. And so like elk like to be around other elk. So once you find, you know, a bull, like you can, you you can kind of 
look around the surrounding areas and find it. But what you really want is you want that party of elk. When you find that party of elk where there's multiple bulls and satellite bulls around, there's just elk around you. Like that's when it happens. That's when you kill a good one. So I'm always looking for that party of elk. And in that early season, it seems like they want to be up high or it doesn't seem like it. They do, you know, they want to, they're up in their summering grounds. They're up in the the highest country they can find. And around here, like right now, you know, it's the 20th of September and they're still up high. They haven't got the weather yet and the food hasn't burned off. Like that's the key for them to, to move down. It's either the, the food burns off or they start getting snow that pressures them down like an early snowstorm or whatever will push them down in elevation. But right now we're finding all of these elk eight to ten thousand feet in elevation so we're really focused on this this high country and so you can do a lot of glassing up in this high country it's like this this alpine environment where you can glass a bunch and as it gets later in the season like like any day now i think we're supposed to get a snowstorm this weekend it's going to push these elk down and they're also going to start to go lower for good feed because their feed starts to burn off up high and so they change locations so um, start off up high in the early season, and then you're looking mid-hill. When you find elk, look for more elk. Look for in surrounding drainages, and, and then you're just looking for the party. When you can find the party, they're calling back and forth. Like it, It's just such a great time to kill a bull. And, and then in the late season, you know, in, into October, these elk start to group up in big groups. And same thing with locating elk there. Uh, a lot of them around here, they start to move to the lower elevation to the faces in that. And, and so you can find them. You can find them by, you know, in my valley, you can glass from afar and, and look at a lot of different country on these faces and side hills and find them and um, find, find where they're at and then work them. And then these bulls, it's like... um. The, the, the wind is just so key in playing these things. And so, and we talked a little bit about morning and night and thermals and directionals, but it's, it's just like constantly be paying attention to the wind. Be paying attention to the wind when you don't even have elk, just to see how it's affecting that hillside, how it's blowing against it, how it's blowing up that canyon. And I, I, I'm continuing to try to evolve my wind game as well as, as just getting in close. Um, it, there's been more stocks and and more calling setups busted by the wind than anything else out there. Uh, you probably heard the adage where you can fool their eyes, you can fool their fool their ears, but you can't fool their nose. It's so true on elk. So really trying to 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 play that wind, and then I'm just trying to get in close and let things happen. Whether that's the evening, whether that's I I coyote the herd and then try to get them or like another great tactic is to to see elk moving and where they're headed and try to get in front of them. If you can get in front of a a moving herd of elk, um, you know, then you have them just move right into you. You don't even have to close in on the stock. You don't even have to make a sound. You just kind of get how they move through country, like look for for saddles, how they move through hillsides. And you're trying to almost predict where they're headed before they head there, you know, and so you can kind of get in front of them and work them that way and a good way to to get in front of the herd um is to watch where they bed down for the day or watch the timber they disappear in and, and then try to figure out where they're going to feed that night where's the good meadow grass are they going to continue on to the next feature are they going to come right back out in that meadow and a, a lot of times your highest percentage is where they fed that morning and where they went into the timber is that they're going to come back out in that meadow at night and so I'll try to play that meadow and then you're just setting yourself up for a good win and let them feed right out at, at you you know that that works really well but I, 
I, I just um chasing elk and during the rut the those those bugles it's just so exciting and so thrilling like last night hearing that bull bugle a hundred times um man was that just amazing and satellite bulls around and there's cows and there oh there's a you know there's a small bull there you know whatever the case is it's just so fun I, I love being in the mountains but you're not gonna find them every day like you're gonna have to cover country you're gonna have to find the population of elk and and you'll look at great elk habitat and, and not see elk in it that's fine they'll be there eventually or maybe they were already there just just log that in your mind that that is good elk country you'll see um scrapes and tracks and sign and um you know i always pay attention to wallows wallows are a, a great sit in the middle of the day as those elk they have to water at least once a day sometimes twice a day and so water is real key for elk and and when you're hunting them early too that that alpine environment there's you can almost predict where they're getting their water at and so it's really good to key into that water source and to not hunt country that that doesn't that it's void of all water that's where elk won't live on the top of the mountain like mule deer a lot of times because they can't get their water there so they need to be down just a level off the top of the peaks where they can get water day in day out and so uh that's it's really important to focus on water when you're hunting elk and make sure there's water in the canyon you're hunting or up in that high country that you're looking at and so um you really want to focus in on that as well but man oh man i just with a bow and arrow it doesn't get much finer they're just so big um so excited so i i just can't wait to continue to hunt them i'm gonna get these um uh, my hawaii buddies on the podcast too they're really good hunters and they're good elk hunters they've hunted a couple different states and chase these things around and so we're gonna keep theorizing and keep on these things and hopefully we can go find this big six point we were on last night and get on them again here as we we didn't spook them or didn't chase them and it's just it's just fun i went on so many of these adventure hunts early you know for myself and shared them with buddies but sure is nice to to share the hunt with friends and and um i had a really good hunt with my dad it, it wasn't elk hunt, it was a mule deer hunt where he drew that wyoming wyoming high country tag and he's never really hunted the high country with his rifle and so um man was it fun teaming up with him and and um getting back in there gosh my dad's in good shape i can only hope to be in that good a shape when i'm 59 um he's just built for endurance and he 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 just loves to hunt and and um loves to get to the back country and we got up there man was it good hunting um you know, I thought I had never hunted the rifle season in Wyoming. I had always hunted uh, bow seasons, and so I know the country really well and where bucks hang out. And I even know where they go to in their secondary living. But I was a little worried about the pressure. Um, Wyoming doesn't have anything for pressure, at least where where I was, where we were hunting there. I mean, there were some guys around and things, but it's nothing like general season elk in Montana with a rifle. You know, there's guys on every ridge line. You know, it's like the Orange Army, and so there really wasn't much pressure. We we were able to get in there. Uh, Dad harvested a nice buck. Um, he actually he actually shot the wrong buck. Um, you know, I I. You know, he st- he shot a nice buck, and he was really happy with the experience in the hunt. But man, were we sitting on a giant? We had spotted um, a, a good buck in the morning that kind of disappeared in a timber patch, and we went looking for him. And we kind of sat on his sat on his feeding feature, just hoping to catch him up for the day. And I I looked down in the timber after sitting there for about three hours, and I spotted a really good buck down in the timber. I'm not sure if it's the same one, um, but really big backs, and he had a six inch inline and. He was all a 185, probably close to 190, heavy, dark horns, already hard horned. And 
had them bedded there in the timber. And so we worked down. We got dad within about, oh, just inside 300 yards or right at 300 yards there and couldn't really get any closer because we'd lose um, view of the of the feature. I mean, you can always get closer, right? I always hunt them with a bow or whatever. But where they were at, we were on a good vantage point. We had a great wind and we were sitting right there and it's right inside his effective range. And so we had bedded this buck. We saw him get back up and then feed in this little patch of timber. We couldn't see him, but we knew right where he was at. And uh, we were waiting for him to get up, and we waited two, three hours. We'd been hunting all day, and and uh, Dad had his shooting position all set up, just this lay down, perfect rest over the packs, back elbow down, waiting for this buck to come out and show himself. And and um, so, anyways, uh, I we're sitting there, and we're just glassing this hillside and glassing the timber, and Dad all of a sudden says, there he is, I, I got him. And he was actually behind his gun looking around, like messing around with his shooting position, you know, getting comfortable with things. And he goes, there he is, I got him. And I said, Dad, where's he at? You know, I couldn't see him. He wasn't coming out of the timber where I'd seen him. And all of a sudden I hear, Dad, he doesn't answer me or tell me where that buck is or anything. He just, boom, and he shoots. And um, I see that buck rolling down the hill. He was, you know, maybe 100, 150 yards away from where we had seen him. I said, Dad, was that the same buck? He was quite a ways away. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the same buck. Man, he rolled down that hill. He actually busted one of his horns rolling down that hill. It was so steep in this rock slide. Um, we were able to kind of put it back on. I'm sure the, the taxidermist will be able to reattach the horn. It isn't that big a deal or anything, but it rolled down that steep face, saw him rolling down. And so we, we kind of high-fived and, um, I'm pretty psyched for dad. I uh, loves hunting mule deer and to see him, you know, backpack back into this, this back country. And we carried our camps on our back and see him work so hard, climb elevation. And, you know, we probably glassed up. 20 or more bucks you know and and uh he was really trying to shoot a nice one his personal best and we got up to, i think it's his second best mule deer he's ever shot but it was not the big one that was laying down uh we would have killed that big one too if we would have kept patient and just you know bucks had no idea we were there that bigger one would have got up and i can see why he made the mistake i mean the buck is 28 inches wide probably like a mid 160s buck just a really nice buck um but uh, it, it was not that, that big buck or whatever. Um, but, you know, he was happy. Dad's got just uh, – he's just got such a great attitude. And it was – you know, I he says, boy, I, I probably would have shot this buck anyways if I – even if I did know the big one was in there. You know, this is a nice buck. So he was completely psyched with it. And then um, I, I always love – like then we, you know, we, we, we decided we were going to head out that night. It was afternoon or it's getting evening, I guess. But, um, so we boned out that buck and loaded him up in the packs and, and, uh, started to make our way out. I had made a trek on the map, how we were going to get out of there. And it, it got pretty steep and pretty gnarly. There was one point we were on these cliff faces where I had to make my way through and dad just didn't feel comfortable. I had to drop my pack and then come back across it, grab his pack and his rifle and take it across. And then, and then he still, it was just so steep, you know, I had to kind of get below him and hold his foothold. So he kind of made his way, but I just, uh, I love the adventure of hunting, you know? And so the more adventure I get out of hunting, the more I enjoy it. And I've almost like learned over the years, like the gnarlier things get or the tougher the hike is, the tougher the pack out, just the bigger the smile on my face. I just, I, I love working hard for critters and animals. And so, you know, working through this steep country and then it's getting dark and there's no trail. We're just through all this downfall timber and climbing elevation with his buck and, my dad got pretty tuckered. I, um, 
he was pretty worn out. Um, he was definitely getting to the end of his road. We were, we were having to take breaks here and there and we, we could have set up our camp and, and just camped another night, but we just kept taking it easy. And I kept going to this pace and we'd take breaks, but I'm telling you for 59, he is in great shape. We, you know, we have, we put our own limitations on ourselves and definitely as we get older, it gets tougher, but it's really nice to see my dad in such good shape and work so hard to get this buck and then, and then be so proud of it too. Um, and just really fun to share a hunt, just me and him in the backcountry, look over a bunch of bucks and then have them harvest a really nice one. I was, I was pumped for him. So, so that was fun. I just been, um, hunt a lot with friends and family. I did my hunts there in, in, in the early season and I'm going to hunt elk here. I'm going to be a little bit later when I, when I get to hunt elk, we're, we're going to try to film it and, um, you know, granted, if I saw a great big bull and I was by myself, I'd probably run an arrow through him or whatever. And uh, it's just like hunting big bulls means so much to me. I just and, and that's how I kind of learned how to hunt. I moved to Montana and, and we had mule deer around, but the high country mule deer kind of came later to me, like traveling to different states and things. But I have always hunted elk and love to hunt elk. I just uh, it is the funnest thing. And so um, it's going to be really fun hunting with these Hawaii guys and trying to help them out. Um Robin got a nice bull last year, and Janus was close. He had some close calls on bulls, and I think he even had a, a miss or two under his belt. But um, it, it's he's he's all practice up this year. He's um he's been shooting a bunch, and and uh, he's really looking for a redemption. It it would be uh, Janus's first bull, and so um we're really trying to get him into one and and get him a shot at a bull. And so we're just gonna keep hunting him hard, and we're gonna go back into that spot tonight. But it's it's so fun, like um friends and family just means so much to me. And, you know, I, I, I love hunting myself. I almost love hunting it, it with my buddies as, as much as anything with my dad and, you know, my family's coming up, my daughter's hunts coming up. I can't wait to hunt with her. And, um, I just love these shared experiences and laughing and having fun. And, oh, that was the hike last night too. The hike last night got grueling, brutal. And, um, yeah, I had a huge smile on my face and we're hunting deep in grizzly country too. It's just full of grizzlies. There's usually a tack or two every single year in there. Last night we were hiking out and all of a sudden I could see these eyes in front of me. I was kind of leading the pack and I could see these eyeballs and I'm sure it was a deer or elk or something, but kind of puts you on the edge. But the sketchier it gets and the longer the hike, it was just this grueling hike out in the mountains from where we had got on these elk. We had to cross this big canyon, but I had so much fun sharing that with my buddies and that shared experience. And gosh, we were, we were reliving it again this morning and we'll be back in there again tonight, hopefully locate those bulls. So. Um, I just, I really wanted to get out an elk hunting podcast and some of my thoughts and theories on it as it is such, such specialized hunting for these things is, is, you know, for me, I like, I hunt them a lot in their feeding features and I don't hunt them in their beds a lot. Like I would hunt a mule deer just because you can't locate them. They get in such thick cover and thick timber, uh, where they like to bed. And it's tough with all those eyes when you got a bull with a big group of cows, and when they're bedded, they're really listening for all sounds and they're looking for all danger. But, you know, if you got tw- even even 15 cows and there are 10 cows in there with a bull, you know, you, you, you got 20 eyes you're trying to avoid and they're just bedded in different places in there. And, and so a lot of times, you know, I, I have crept into their bedroom before and I've done okay with a good wind. Like I say, the key to hunting elk is a good wind, but it's, it's just you end up busting them out a lot where when you can see them out in the feature and they're, they're feeding out in the feature, you can kind of keep track of them and use the cover to get in close. And so I really like hunting elk on their feet in their feeding feature. Like that's, that's my MO. 
so that's what I'm looking for when I'm when I'm chasing bulls. But um, man, it's gonna be fun. It's it's fun. The rut is here. It's fun hearing those bugles last night, hearing them fired up, and I'm I'm sure gonna locate some good bulls, and um, I'm gonna hunt some different mountain ranges. I'm hunting around home here, and then I told you guys I got that tag where I can hunt under mountain ranges, and they're they're new spots to me, and I I um I, I wish I you know. I wish I would have got some more scouting in in some of these mountain ranges, but I have done a lot of e-scouting or a lot of, um, uh, you know, looking at maps and topography and places I need to get. And these these elk, too, like when you're looking for elk, like um, we're hunting one of these ranges that's got access roads in it that'll get you to 10,000 feet. And in a lot of the places I hunt are wilderness. It's just this spot has access roads, and it's really good elk hunting in there. And so you use these roads, but you just find these elk they're they're in the roadless country. Elk elk like to be where they're not getting pressured. You, you know where elk are? Where humans are hunting them, you know? And so you've got to look for these spots that are in between roads or they've got a big canyon in between you. And also, everybody knows how to use their glass nowadays. And so anything you can glass from a road, chances are you don't find many elk there, you know? you you got to really look for these spots that are tucked in and tucked away, secluded canyons, and, and, and look for where elk get pressured to and... And elk are where humans aren't. Like that's where I find elk, and so I'm I'm constantly looking for these spots where where elk are not, and um, that's that's how I find them. And and same thing right now where we're hunting, where we got roads to access, but we're hiking deep into country where there are no roads. And and then you know after we start to find some elk in here, now I'm looking at the canyons that are that are close to that canyon that we can go in and grab a good vantage point or grab a ridge line and look at, but that's where you where you tend to find bulls but um okay we did 45 minutes i gotta get hunting here i just wanted to get out get you guys out a, a solo elk podcast um i wish you guys the the best hunting this year for elk season i've already seen a bunch of bulls come through my feed i know you guys are are doing good and and uh you know some of you guys are harvesting some really nice fives and sixes and and um Man, I'm really happy for you guys. Um, keep hunting hard, and and um, hopefully you guys got some more days of field coming up. And and uh, yeah, I'll uh, check in with you guys next week.